Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Hey! Hello! Hello, family. How are you guys doing? Good. Love you, too. Well, I, I want to I take a moment just to, to, to brag on my wife. Yes. She, uh, she spent the last uh, 36 years writing a book. <laughs> and, it, you know, the war on your voice is really a, a, a life message of the gospel of Jesus really showing up to somebody who really did experience some deep brokenness. But there's no deep brokenness that the gospel cannot break into. There's no deep pain or no story of shame that the gospel can't penetrate and bring love, life, and peace. And that really is um, a lot of my wife's story. And, And so this is not just a, It's not just a book about something. It's a book that I believe that really will release a piece of her, but also just um, the bigger piece will point back to the gospel of Jesus. And so next week she is, she's not only going to be selling books, she's actually going to be signing books. She'll have a little table there. So if you want some encouragement there, I highly recommend you picking up that book. So, well, I'm excited just to be here with you guys this this morning, and we're, we're going to take a moment just to look at the, the gospel and the goodness in the kingdom. So why don't we just take all three of the greatest things on the planet? But first, I, I felt a few things. Is he not in here? Where's Blake Healy? Is he out? Well, um... I actually felt like, you know, we have another beautiful author in our midst with Blake, and um, I, I don't know where he's at, but he can get this later. So uh, I, I felt like Blake has an anointing like C.S. Lewis. Um, it's a profound, just God breaking open the heavens in the most beautiful thought processes, but then also the beauty of uh, releasing stories that will set the captives free, but they're not in the classic Christian way. I feel like something that Blake really is going to release as an author. I'm prophesying over you right now, Blake. You're welcome. <laughs> just, just ask an angel; he'll tell you. <laughs> and and in that anointing, but I and I'm going to speak on this for a, a moment. In a moment. But do you notice how Christians, we like to make everything Christian? Which is a complete wrong mindset. Christian is not just this weird offset culture, Christian music, Christian food, Christian drinks. This is just the wrong version. But I I, I do feel like Blake is going to write some things 
And we, I, I've talked to him about some of it, so, but I, I just feel like this is a, a sooner than later season for him. He's gonna write, um, write some things that the Lord's goodness is gonna be poured out on. But it's not just in the goodness, like for some reason we force a bunch of Christians into is, well, you did something really great. Why didn't, when you grab the mic, say, we give all glory to Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Because we think for some reason that that's the pinnacle of something. There's moments to be silent, but to be very, very deadly with his goodness. And I believe Blake's gonna have that in, in this way and just other writings. So we just so appreciate you, Blake. You are just such a gift to our community. So to catch up with C.S. Lewis, you just have a few more books to write, so. All right. Well, um, we're going to be mainly in two um, places today. So Exodus 33, turn there. We might as well talk about that because we're in a tent. So we might as well talk about the tent. And then um, we'll also be in Romans 14. So those two places. So let's just turn our affections to where our affections are already turned. Father, we long for nothing more than experiencing and seeing your glory. But, uh, but it's a curious thing to me that you answer us experiencing your glory by the moment when we enter heaven, you saying, well done, good and faithful servant. That the God of the universe turns around and tells us, well done. That is a sobering thought. And so Father, um, today, we just want to be um, invited in to uh, a new level, uh, a new experience of your glory and your goodness. And we thank you that the kingdom isn't only far off for the great by and by, but it's actually now. It's present. It dwells among us. It's in us. And Father, I just pray that we would be a people that would proclaim and and pronounce the goodness of God. And that we would see that the goodness doesn't start as an external kingdom, but it really starts with the manifestation of an internal world that changes everything. So we love you so much, Jesus. Amen. I was talking to the Lord uh, Father God, a couple months back, and, and he said something to me. I, I, I love the, the concept of truth and love. And in the concept of truth and love, there, there's many, many thoughts. I feel like now we're in a season and a time in our society where we get to answer, we, we think that we answer every question, we answer every disagreement, we answer every place of tension with the answer of love that you actually stop a conversation right when you put the word love in there. But as Jen just said, we, we have a, a concept of a father who is perfectly love and perfectly truth. That he is both. And th there's a few different sayings when it comes to love and truth, but I felt like the Lord gave me one that feels relevant and significant for what we're going after as a community. And so this is one, it says, truth without love is self-righteous and cruel. 
It's brutal. It's just pretty much telling you what to do. It's pretty much telling you I'm right and you're wrong. And it's, it's brutal. There's no grace involved in that type of truth. But also, love without truth is idolatry. Love without truth is idolatry because it's something other than Jesus. It's something other than his goodness, his nature, who Jesus Christ is. And he is the manifestation of love and truth. Everything that we have in this word points back to the beauty of the gospel of Jesus. It all points to love and truth. And I feel like our society, America, the the surrounding nations are longing for both of these to come forth. And so I'm hoping to, to... to talk a little bit how, how I see us getting there. And so let's just start here in Exodus uh, 33. And prior to this is what is going on is, is Moses is on the mountain with God and the children of Israel get a little uh, bored. I think boredom is one of the greatest causes for the lack of the kingdom going forth. Because we are actually looking for an increase of peace in his government, there will be no end. We're looking for an increase. But for some reason, a lot of times as societies, we always reference the the worst and darkest places and think they're the best. So many of us actually reference like the underground church in China. And now I so respect what God is doing in China, but that is not a full manifestation of the kingdom in a land. Why? Because they can't, make, they can't meet corporally. But we a lot of times reference these places and we think it's the increase. I wanna know My heart of hearts is to want to know one thing. How do we actually increase the kingdom, the glory, and the gospel in a place where we actually pass this torch to another generation? Because for some reason, when it gets to the second and third generation, they get fat and bored. And they're only looking for the, they feel like they have to go to the deepest, darkest now. With the voice of the Lord, we are all called to go to the darkness. But if you're actually not called to go to China, don't go to China. Because a lot of times we romanticize these type of things. You have to do what the Lord is calling you to do. Because that is the greatest manifestation of the kingdom that you will ever bring to this planet is you hearing the Father's voice and it manifesting in your life. And if you're called to go to these places of darkness, the Lord bless you. But there's darkness here that we still need the light of the goodness, the gospel, the increase of peace that doesn't just cause us to get fat and happy, but cause us still to sacrifice for future generations. An increase of heaven on earth. 
We wanna see an increase. And we love that we have a, have a call to corporately affect very, very, very dark places on the planet. I loved being in Mexico uh, last year and just seeing the light of the gospel show up to people who had never heard the name Jesus. That's such a beauty. But I also want the light of the gospel to come to a, a neighbor or a colleague or someone to see that they may think they're okay. The truth of the matter is, are none of us are okay without a savior. None of us are okay without the gospel of Jesus. So they, they decided to build this golden calf. And Moses comes down And he, and he says this, the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here. You and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I've sworn to you. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob say to, and saying to your offspring, I will um, give it. I will send an angel. Don't you love his response to this? I will send an angel, and then the Lord Father keeps on going on, and he says, um, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, flowing with goodness, flowing with peace, flowing with, with good stuff. He said, I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And then he goes in verse four to, to verse six, and because of what um, just had happened with the golden calf, he, he said it, it's, it's the children of Israel responding to the take off your ornaments, take off your earrings, take off those things that are, are hindering you. And in, in, the, in, the, in the context of kind of the, the real heart of what I wanna go after today, and, and uh, C.S. Lewis, who... I am just the biggest fan of. He says this, there is but one good that is God. Everything else is good when it looks to him and bad when it turns from him. But then it says this, he says this in Mere Christianity that I love so much. He says, badness is only spoiled goodness. Badness is only spoiled goodness. So as a kid, I was taught about the golden calf. I was taught about the idols. And the idols were secular music. <laughs> sex, beer, drugs, rock and roll. These were the idols. And I remember just the moments. It was always the, the, the height of Christianity to me was laying down my idols so that I can experience more of him, which is a backwards message of the gospel. How is it backwards? If you're looking for transformation, you're looking for the wrong thing. 
Why? Jesus gave you transformation. It's nothing you can do. Jesus transformed you. In my jacket, I forgot to bring it up here. I have a little acorn. That acorn, that acorn, it could not be any more pure, beautiful, what it is supposed to be. We are all sons and daughters of the living God, those who have accepted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, who have invited the gospel, which is the um, transforming power of God in your life that changes everything. And no more are you bad. No more are you looking for transformation. You are looking for growth. You are looking to grow from one degree of glory to another. You can stay an acorn as long as you want. But I don't know about the rest of you. I know that the Lord is calling us to be oaks of righteousness. Trees that actually produce beautiful fruit. But I think we're looking at these things backwards. You come transformed because of the trans, um, transforming power of the cross. Because of what he has done, you are fully transformed. That does not give you license to not grow, though. You don't want to stay childish. You want to stay childlike. Childlike just constantly bathes in the gospel. It bathes in the goodness of Jesus. And, and here, and so I was always looking for what's wrong with me. There's somebody that really likes to jump on that question with you. You hear four voices, God, yourself, others, and this other little cat. It's kind of slimy like a cat. I've been annoyed at cats lately, sorry. Sorry if you're a cat person. I love cats. I won't call the devil a cat. So. I already did, though. So, he, he's sly, and he wants to, um, you to believe that how you grow from glory to glory is to see how bad you are, to see how much of a failure you are. No, you actually grow from glory to glory because of the truth of you are now a son or daughter of the living God. This is actually how you grow, to behold and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to see him in his splendor and majesty and glory, to see divine goodness fulfilled on this earth. And this concept of Badness is just spoiled goodness really comes out of Genesis. It comes out of the very beginning of all that Jesus had wrote. It comes, everything that he made was good. He created all. It was all good. Yes, sin did enter the earth. And yes, sin is a problem. Yes, Christ paid for that sin. Is sin still a problem? 
Some of you are gonna wanna answer no, but then I would sit down and talk to you about some of your life and I promise you, you've experienced the pain of sin in your life, whether it's somebody did to you or something you have done. Because what does sin do? It separates. And Christ came to, to, to eliminate the separation so that we can rightly behold him. And how we rightly behold him in the area of growth is first and foremost seeing that he is the standard of goodness. He is the standard of beauty. He is the standard of love. And he's not a standard that's far off. He's a standard that couldn't be any closer than your own skin. And that's where he resides. And so this moment with the children of Israel and, and, and what they just happened with the calf and, 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 and the, the Lord says, I will go, but I will send an angel. And, and I love this. It goes into the tent of meeting, which we're, we're here. <laughs> we're here. And they describe the tent of meeting. And, and we all love this phrase. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. This is the intimacy that we were all invited into. It's no more, and, and this is the heartbreaking story with the children of Israel because at the beginning, God invited them in to that experience. He said, come, and they said, no, we want to send Moses. We need a mediator which robbed them from what the father wanted to give them, which was his face. And I love you have Joshua here, which is the next version of revival in this story, which does go into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, but the land flowing with milk and honey has a lot more responsibility in it. Why? Because the father actually trusts you. We're no more just taken care of. We actually now get to move supernaturally by taking care of the things. Why? Because daddy trusts you. How did that manifest? That manifested there were still giants to take out. Your shoes wore out. You actually didn't get any free food anymore. There was not a free heater or the free, you know, block the sun pillar. There was none of these things. There was not the fire by day, the cloud. Why? It's a, it's a picture of revival going to the next generation where we actually have much more responsibility for the increase of peace, the increase of goodness, the increase of joy. But for most of us, we need such tremendous trials to wake us up. I know that in this world, there will be tribulation. But take heart because he has overcome. And how does that overcoming look like? With a picture of the increase of peace, the increase of presence. Most of us were looking for revival, which means to be revived. And I love that, that need for revival, that need to be revived. I'm also ready for a need for the increase. What is it going to look like if all of us? All of us corporately together take this thing that is passed to us. You guys, the things that we are seeing today are so beautiful. Signs, wonders, miracles. This is unparalleled to what anything has happened in history. The people that are being saved, healed, and delivered today 
But all I know is I want it to only increase in a way where we actually get to partner with this living God because it's exactly his heart that we co-labor, we partner with him. No longer do I call you orphans or slaves. I call you friends, which a friend simply means I have his ear and he has mine. I am so just listening to this father who is just full of goodness. And so Moses and him have that beautiful conversation face to face. And then it says Joshua would not depart from the tent. He just stayed. I love that. And that should be a picture of us, of not departing. We're actually supposed to take this to the next level. And Moses said to the Lord, see you say to me, bring us this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Actually, he did. He, he let him know who he was going to send with him at the beginning of this chapter. Who did he say he was going to send? I love Moses' conversation with God right here. Who are you going to bring? Yet you said, uh, I love this. He reminds God of who he is. Yet you said, I know you by name and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know in order uh, to find favor in your sight. Consider too, the, this nation is yours. I love it. And this is kind of what I'm doing. I want, we want to remind God who he's called us to be. We want to remind God what, what he said about you. You ever have prophetic words that feel like they're tucked away, way hidden in that closet? Get them out of the closet. Begin to remind him. You said this about me. You said this about me. You called me this. We just get to remind God. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Oh, it's so beautiful. And he said to him, if your presence, this is Moses again, I love it. God answered him. He's just making sure. Do you ever need some just, you know, you know just God to come along and say, are you sure, God? Is that what you said? Because I want to make sure. He's just making sure here. And he says, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us out from here. I love that stake in the ground. Because again, the goodness, the increase of peace that we all experience, that we all have, is not the goal. The goal is always his face. The goal is always his presence. It's always his voice. It's always in his presence, his fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. The goal is him. But all that he created is supposed to reflect him. And so he answers with, I will give you my presence. I have found favor in your sight, and I, your people, is it not in your going with us? And I love that, that this going, that, that is, we actually, you and I, we have the favor of God. There's this thing called common grace, which is common goodness. 
Meaning, goodness doesn't only um, manifest through believers. It manifests in arts, in sciences, in so many different genres of the world. It's called common grace. It's the manifestation of the goodness of God. But let me tell you, we have something different, which is him. We have him here with us and in us. I love the common grace. I love common grace that will be poured out on a, on a nation or a community. We love that. But I don't know about you, but I'm looking for a city to experience his face. I'm looking for a city to meet this loving savior. And so let's flip over to uh, Romans And as you guys are flipping over there, I, I, I will just read. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do for you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. Don't you love it that Moses, he, he, he takes one thing. He's like, well, if I'm already here, if I'm already asking, can I see your glory? That, that, this is a bold man that we are all now called to be bold because the veil has been torn. And so that boldness of, can I see your face? And the thing is, the face is not only for that one experience you had 20 years ago. The face is for every day. His glory, that's why he calls us to go from glory to glory. Every day should be a new baptism of glory, of mercy, of his face, of his goodness. And then he says, pretty much you cannot see my face, but I'm gonna give you my goodness. God's goodness on earth is a manifestation of his glory. Anytime you run into goodness, it's the manifestation of this king. That's why there's no difference between secular and sacred. There's this manifesting. That's why if you're not called to be up here, please don't be up here. It'll ruin you. It's not, it's not worth it. You be you because the greatest you, how do I say that? <laughs> you being you is just the manifestation of whatever God has called you to be. And that's the thing is we, we see heightens. We see these heights that we think are Christianity. No, the height is you being you. I, I remember that moment of scrubbing toilets at In-N-Out Burger. When there's a whole bunch of stuff all over the toilet. 
And the father speaks to me and he says, and I had already been a pastor before that. He said, son, this is as much glory as the, that there's glory on that stage. This right here, you doing this with goodness and excellence and peace in your heart, oh, so pleases me. This is worship. Because worship is not what we do here. It's a lifestyle. It's that day-by-day experience. We should wake up more happy on Monday than we did on Sunday. Why? Because there's another new level of glory. But this is what we're about to run into here in Romans 14. It's a manifestation of our internal world, which is our attitude. I love the external feats of his kingdom being manifested, but the greatest manifestation of his kingdom is a lifestyle lived, loving him, loving others, why loving yourself? And this is all life in the spirit. And I'll just reference this right before I jump over to Romans 14. This is Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life. Did you know there's a law of the spirit of life? It's his voice. It's his eye. It's actually his heart. Seeing and experiencing, trusting that I'm gonna know his eye, his heart. Because this, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. This whole thing that was happening there in Exodus, um, because they were still under the old covenant, they were under that old law. And now the father is proclaiming through his son that there's a new law of the day and the law is the spirit of life. It's actually that interaction with the spirit. And I love Romans. It's one of my favorite books. And I love the the progression of Romans. Um, But when you start getting into Romans 12 um, to the end, you see him starting to actually describe the law of the spirit. And this is what we're going to end with. And we'll, we'll start a, a little bit earlier, but we'll get to 14 in a moment. In, a verse, um, in chapter 13, it says, in verse 8, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, and so on. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And then um, skip down, let's, uh, we'll go down to verse 12 in chapter 13. He says, the night is far gone and the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us um, walk properly as in the day, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality, sensuality, or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And then jump right into Romans 14. As for the one who is weak, In faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. I think one of the greatest manifestations 
of this has an opportunity to happen now in our society. I don't know about you, but I see a lot of quarreling over opinions. Paul addresses this whole thing, and this is living life in the spirit. This is actually the next, this is the, 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 the place where peace has, to, has the opportunity to be established um, in a new way, in a new generation. And so he says, do, do not quarrel over them. And, and then he goes on to talk about food. There's a lot of quarreling over food right now. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Is there not? I, I love this chapter. Why? Because it points everything back to faith and belief. So don't quarrel over opinions. You say I should eat kale? I say I should eat this steak right here. I love spinach. I just haven't uh, fallen in love with kale yet. Some of my health friends could cast that devil out of me. But this does become, in our day and age, and it starts to rob the very thing of love and connection. One of my favorite stories was um, one of the people that was going after health in Reading, and, and they tell this story of... I realized I wasn't able to go over and have a simple meal with friends anymore because my dietary restrictions were so tight. Now, I'm not telling you to go eat something weird. Bethel Health, okay, we have some good stuff around this. This is not the point here, though. But we do this with everything. We do this with sex. All I knew about sex, it felt like, was it's bad, evil, terrible, horrible. No, it's one of the greatest things that God created. And if we want to have a, see a sexual revolution, how about us believers start having good sex? No, I'm not joking. If we want to see a healthy, because the world says, well, my Christian parents hate each other. And they've never said one good thing about sex. They've just said it's bad. Save it for the one you love in marriage. No. How we can have a sexual revolution of kingdom kind is a bunch of loving, covenant-bearing Christians in the area of marriage making love to one another on a... Just a lot. If we want to understand our covenant of oneness more, maybe we should step into this covenant. If we want to understand that covenant more, maybe we should take this covenant to the next level. But there's so much pain, perversion, disease, that that's all we know. That's all we know is pain, hurt, confusion. That's all we know. So what do we need? We don't need to be transformed. You need healing. Because Jesus transformed you. And he called you to have a good sex life in the covenant of marriage. A great sex life. If we had a generation doing this, I don't think this generation would have such a problems. Amen. 
Good News and Sexuality class is coming again. I think it's in February. So now, if you want to know what we're going to talk about, yes, you all are welcome. But this is the truth of what C.S. Lewis said in that place. Badness is only spoiled goodness. But now we have a bunch of spoiled goodness that we are calling badness. You have a bunch of things that you're calling, and this is what, this is what he does in this whole passage. He just disrupts this whole thing. But I love that he disrupts it in the context of love. He says, no, it's not worth it. It's never worth to go flaunt your, look what I can do because I'm free. Before somebody that says, that, that causes me pain. Well, drinking's not a big deal. Well, it is when your dad beats you as a child. You think that, that alcohol is the worst thing in the world. Why? Because the manifestation that you experienced through humans was the worst thing. This is why we get to be sensitive. This is why love is so apparent. But then when I was a kid, I saw a man drinking an O'Doul's, a non-alcoholic beer. I came home and told him, Dad, that man over there had the appearance of evil. Why? Because I was raised in a, in a religious system. We go to these extremes. The increase of peace is not this extreme. It's actually the extreme of him. And this is the manifestation of it, and we're going to end here. It's this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of, and I love it, in the, the New Living it says, but a matter of goodness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness is just as good, but for the sake of today, it's goodness. When Father showed his glory to Moses, he allowed his goodness. We can all manifest more of his goodness, guys. And we do this, this is all speaking of an internal reality. How does goodness, peace, and joy look in your circumstance? I've had months where I've had to readjust my attitude because it was not manifesting the nature of his kingdom. Which his description of the kingdom, everywhere else he says the kingdom is like. Here he says, it's not this, but it is this. It's a manifestation of goodness, joy, and peace. It's something you have power over because you have given your power over to the Holy Spirit. you actually now get to do this. And the challenge is, it's not, it's not provoked or challenged in places like this, meaning moments like this. It's provoked in relationship with one another, in those people that are closest to you. I, I'm the biggest fan of... Uh, Healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, preaching the gospel to people who have never heard the message. But there's nothing better than a corporate community, community manifesting the gospel of the kingdom one to another. The world will know them by the way they love one another. Know him, sorry. Know him by the way we love one another. I don't know about you, but I think the world takes a look into this fishbowl every once in a while and says, I don't want any part of that. There's some of those gossip, backbiting, fake, kind people I've ever seen. 
No, he wants a manifestation of the kingdom where goodness, righteousness, and peace are being manifested through us. Then we get to bring the nature of signs, wonders, miracles, the answers because we have the answer. So let's stand up. And I want to do two things. In this concept of, of goodness, in this concept of that badness is only spoiled goodness, I, I felt like, and there's moments when his face that I do think he calls us, I've been hearing this a lot within our staff and our community, um, that he, he calls us to sometimes lay things down. And to me, that used to be because it was bad. And how many of you know, how many of you got rid of all your records? Come on, the 70s people. I know you did. I, I know. My dad did. This was like the, threw away my eight tracks, maybe and went into tapes. Every single one of them I talk to now, they're like, oh man, I so wish I had that vinyl. I'm kind of kidding. But, and, and again, there is things that are wrong versions. I, I read the list already. I, I read a list. Drunkenness is never okay. I, I read the list. It's, this, this, is, this is a perversion, it's, but it's simply the wrong version of something good because there's a right version. And so I felt like some of you need to take off some ornaments, not literally, but in your heart. There might be some moments where you've been experiencing something that is good, but it's become almost uh, a perversion of his goodness. It's just, it's just disconnected you. It hasn't drawn you to him. It's made you farther away and you feel like you're a master to that thing. I felt like some of you are going to lay those things down today. But then I wanted just a corporate cry for his face, for his presence. I wanted a corporate cry that holiness is not this, oh, that's all bad, and now this is good. That's a lot of times what I hear. No, it's, yeah, those are good things. But this moment in time right now, let's cry out for his face together. Let's be those people that are like Moses, but then even more so like Joshua, who just abided. And abiding isn't just in this tent now, it's in this tent now. So if you could, I, I first just, just want you to ask the Lord. Um, just say, Father, is there any ornaments you want me to take off? As you're listening, I, I want to say, if there is never any conviction, and again, conviction is way different than condemnation like we wrote in, read in Romans 8. If there's never any conviction about anything you do, I would say you're probably numb. Because this life of the Spirit, conviction leads you to his kindness. Not to who you're not. It leads you to who you are. So Father, we just release, just if those moments, if this may not be for everybody, if there's those places of, of healthy God, can, your kindness convicting our hearts in this life of the Spirit, I pray that we lay these things down for these seasons. Thank you, Father. And I, I wanna encourage you to find a, a close, trusted 
confidant, someone that you could just share, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to lay this down because of what I feel like I'm supposed to go after with him right now. I want you to tell somebody. And then corporately, just for a moment, I just want to ask for his face. I just want to ask for his glory. So could you do that with me? Let's just start doing that together. We've already done it already, but let's do it some more. Father, we are asking for your face. We want to see your glory. We want to see a manifestation of your goodness on the land of the living. Those who are alive now, especially here at Bethel Atlanta, we ask for an extra measure of your goodness, of your glory to invade every place that we are as we, we, we go more into these holiday seasons. We thank you that you are the greatest holiday. That peace, that righteousness, joy, and peace come in you and through you. And so, Father, we just thank you that the manifestation of that is not some God that's far off, but you are so near. You're face to face to us as we speak because of the gospel. So we just ask for more. I pray that hunger, hunger for your glory in your face would go to a new level at Bethel Atlanta as a family, a new level. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. All right, give everybody a high five next to you and say, that was good. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.